0: This morning, I want to say welcome to class, class. This morning is a big teaching time. Can you hand these out? I am going to give you my notes because I don't want you to just take what I say for granted. I want you to be able to, Johnny, would you hand these out for me? I want you guys today to look at Scripture in a way that you're able to engage with it as well. I want you to go home this week and challenge my teaching. I want you guys to see how I have formulated what we're going to be speaking on this morning. And so there's going to be some things that I'm going to run through or go over. So if if you feel like I'm not being clear, go back and study. But here's what my point is. Last week we had talked about prayer in a light that we've talked about it at the plants before but for some reason, it's always God's timing, that it finally clicked. I really believe for some of you this past Sunday was a time where it clicked, where you really started seeing how God is effective, how God is present. I love how one, one guy told me that his family has been praying every night at dinner for those one persons in their life, their kids and themselves. And so for me, when I hear that, I hear, wow, they're taking this extremely serious." Now here's one of my biggest contentions with church, and it's something that I spoke on a month ago. It's incompetence. So many Christians feel incompetent to be a reflection of Christ, right where God has called them. Amen. True. It's almost like let Robin Omar do it and Jeremy and Sushir. Let's let the staff people do the Jesus stuff, and we'll just kind of tag along. Now, I'm not saying that's what the plant does, but that's what most churches do. As long as you show up, as long as you are good and moral, and as long as you're, you know, you're present. That's all your faith is. Nowhere in scripture does it say that. Matter of fact, Jesus empowered every single disciple to do the very works that he had done. And so no one in this room has an excuse as long as they are a follower of Christ. Monica Wolf doesn't. Ooh, I didn't mean to shock you. Jeff VanderMolen doesn't. Rich Gatto doesn't. Darlene Terpstra doesn't. Bill Seitzma doesn't. All these people, including yourself, if you are a follower of Christ, are called... To manifest the kingdom of God exactly where God has planted you. Let me read the passage. When they returned to the other side, when they they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit. But they couldn't do it. They've done it before. They've done it multiple times. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I beg be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Faithless. Think of that word. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Stop right here. We know the rest of the story. What happened? What did Jesus tell the disciples? Well, first, what did the disciples ask? Why won't it work? And what did Jesus say? It only comes out through prayer. It only comes out through prayer. So for so long as we talked about last week, the disciples were doing everything Jesus told them. A plus B equals God shows up. We walk up to someone, we cast out a demon, and God is present. If we do this right and if we do that right, then God is always with me. Right? It's almost like our Christian perspective if a door opens, God says, walk through it. Bull. There's nowhere in Scripture it says that. There's nowhere in Scripture that it says that your life will be only filled with peace. So, in a circumstance, if there's peace, it must be right. Hitler had peace about the decisions he made. Is that scary? I mean, seriously. Obama, what's his name? Ob- Sim Laden, what's his name? Bin Laden. That dude had peace when he planned that opportunity to throw the planes into the building. You see, we've created equations that are unbiblical and unhealthy. And I love that about this past week because people got it like, wow. Maybe I do need to start engaging in prayer. Maybe I do need to start seeing how I am part of God's bigger plan. But see, here's the other equation that we're going to talk about this morning. So if I pray, everything's going to work out. So as long as I pray, God's going to do everything that I tell Him to. So as long as I show up and I am praying, then life will be perfect. There's so much more to this. You see, the one thing that I hope that you are constantly learning at the plant is that Jesus has invited us into a relationship that we are like the disciples. Lord, teach us. I hate that. I hate that. Lord, teach us. But let me tell you the first thing that Jesus had taught to the disciples. His kingly rule. Look at that. Jesus has been revealing that He was going to bring and He was the manifestation of the kingdom of God on earth. The problem with the disciples was, is that the disciples thought it was going to be, look at the page, a earthly geographical kingdom. But that's not what he was doing. He was coming to bring the heavenly, perfect kingdom to be amongst us that has no bar- barriers, that has no geographical limitations. But rather what he was doing was he was bringing the kingly rule for a purpose. To destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3 8 says this. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the who? The devil. It doesn't say that he came to destroy the works of evil. Because evil is big and evil is, is broad. But Jesus gives entity. Listen to that word. Jesus gives entity to where evil is derived from. Which is the devil. You see, if we are followers of Christ, and if we look at all of Scripture, whether from Genesis through Revelations, there is a teaching by Christ, through Christ, that there is a devil, and his desire is to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. And his whole role and premise was simply this. To disarm the spiritual rulers. Listen to Colossians 2.15. In this way... He, meaning Christ, disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. You see, earthly speaking, when people saw what happened to Christ, when the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of these people saw Jesus being put to death, they thought all of his works were put to death as well. That anything of God that he had brought to earth was shattered and dismantled. But because of his resurrection, he had proven that his power was uncontrollable. Because of his death and because of his resurrection, he proved. That his power and the power of God is uncontrollable. And what we see next is this. Is that Jesus, he commissioned his disciples to engage and partner with him. If you were to look up Mark chapter 6, verse 6 through 13, we would read when Jesus commissioned the disciples. In each of the Gospels, and look them up. I have them on the paper. Each of the Gospels, Jesus took his 12. Matter of fact, at one point, he took 72 of his followers. And he said, listen, here's the game plan. Grab a partner and just go out and do everything you've seen me do. Preach that the kingdom's here. That's found in me to point to the Father. That's the only reason Jesus was here. I want to tell you what you can also do. You can cast out demons. You can heal the sick, and you can do even greater works than I. And he commissioned them, and he sent them out to reflect the kingdom of God that he had embodied. We see this all throughout the book of Acts. I mean, it's amazing what happened in the book of Acts. There are things written in the book of Acts that aren't even penned in the Gospels. Great example. Paul was one time walking and his shadow was behind him. You know when you're walking and it's the, the, the dimmer of the light and you see someone's shadow and you're a little kid and you try to like squash their head? You know that like when you're mad at your parent and you're a little kid and, and they're walking from you and you're like, I'm going to get them. Ugh. Since they spanked me, I can only squash their head. There was a time when someone who was ill Had seen Paul and was so in awe of Paul, all they said was, If I can just be in his shadow. And this individual walked into his shadow. And if you don't trust me, read the book of Acts, read the whole book of Acts, because I'm not going to tell you where it is. This person was healed. It's crazy. That's insane. I don't know what's more insane, the person being risen from the grave or the shadow. To me, the shadow is kind of freaky. Yes, good point. Brian just said that he was trying to embody and act what he believes. He just stole my whole message. Thanks a lot, Brian. Good job, man. That's good. But here's what it is. Jesus commissioned, he sent his disciples out to not mimic. You see, that's called a mime. And mimes are kind of scary, right? Mimes are like freaky. They're like, ah. Mimes scare me. But they were called to embody, embody Jesus. But here's the issue with evil. We either underestimate or overestimate its power. Do you realize that? You ever watch some of these shows on TV where they're all about evil and you watch them for like three minutes and then you walk out of the room and you're like, there's something in here. Right? Or we go to the extent where we don't believe it, we don't want to believe it, we don't want to mess with it, so we ignore it. It's either one or the other. But see, the the question is, where's the balance? But here's what we learn about Jesus' authority. And by the way, I love Brian that you you raised your hand, man. That was awesome. And I want you to know that I have always said this if anyone ever feels that, you are allowed to do that because that's who that's what we are about. When we look at Jesus' authority, the first thing that we have to recognize is that Jesus was a man under authority. John chapter 5, verse 18. He revealed to His disciples that He only did what His Father commanded Him to do. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus would go away from the crowds. And it wasn't like He was going away from the crowds to take a nap. It wasn't like He was going because He was an introvert. He was going because He was seeking the Father's wisdom. And he would go and he would communicate with the father and he would be there all night long. And after he was with the father all night long, he would only do what the father told him. And you know what's amazing about the authority of Christ is that there came a point when two disciples came up to him and said, hey, let me sit at your right. Let me sit at your left. And you know what Jesus said? He said, I don't have permission. To tell you where you're going to sit. Only the Father can. We have all seen abuses of authority in our lives. And we all know that when a little greatness hits us, what do we do? We run with it and we step out of bounds and we take advantage of our authority but even in the midst of Jesus' authority growing and growing and growing the one thing that he never lost was the authority in which he was always under do you know when the two disciples asked him to tell asked him where they could sit it was at the very end of his life is after all the healings, after all the deliverances, after the raising from the grave, all these different things, Lazarus was raised. And even in the midst of that, he still said, it's not mine to give. Jesus' power came from being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you get home, read that quote. It's great by John Craft. It's amazing. You see, Jesus knew For for the first 30 years of his life, no one knew he was the son of God. That's why when he started doing all these miraculous things, they said, isn't this Joseph's son, the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Like, we remember this dude growing up. But when he was baptized, when he was dunked into the waters and and brought back up, he was commissioned by the power of the Holy Spirit to now present term speaking now after the baptism to manifest God's kingdom and here's how Jesus exercised his authority through teaching and demonstration Jesus didn't teach a different torah He didn't teach a different first five five books of the Old Testament. He taught the very things that the Pharisees and Sadducees were teaching, but the difference was is that he had authority. He brought the scriptures to life because he was proclaiming that he was the fulfillment of the very things that they had been learning all the time. Matter of fact, the first message that Jesus ever taught was from Isaiah. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to release the oppressed. But there was something unique about his teaching. It was because he was empowered by God's presence. But his authority was also demonstrated. Healings. Deliverance, so many different things. He even at times spoke to the earth. And the earth responded. To the fig tree, he made it wither. To the storm, he made it stop. He demonstrated his authority throughout his earthly life. But here's our tension. Lord, help my unbelief. I mean, that's what this father had said about his son. His son wasn't two, his son wasn't ten, his son was probably a teenager. He had watched his son be afflicted by evil for so long. And he heard about Jesus, he knew about what Jesus had done, and he went to Jesus because he believed Just like you and me. We have friends who are sick. We have friends who are in horrific relational situations. We have friends who are in great despair. And we believe that this same Jesus can do something radical in their lives. Correct? But when it comes down to the rubber meeting the road, and as these these circumstances get closer and closer to our lives, there comes a point that we just simply say, God, help my unbelief. Help my faith. Help me understand. That as much as I believe it for the person who is from somewhere else, I believe it for my own. I mean, you want to talk about tension? This was this guy's son. You want to talk about tension? Lazarus was Martha's brother. Every time someone brought someone to Jesus the majority of time there was a relational connection, a relational investment. And when we don't understand this, we disengage because we feel incompetent. And that's what happened with the disciples. But Jesus, we've done it every other way. You told us to do this, 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 and this. And it didn't happen. You see, there's two things that the disciples didn't understand. First was the issue of authority. You see, they went out and did whatever they wanted. They were stuck in a village and people came to them. They're like, what do we do? What do we do? Well, do what we did last time, dummy. Dummy. Just do the same thing. It's supposed to work. But what the disciples had forgotten was the issue of authority. Because when Jesus sent out the disciples, they were sent out with a purpose. They were sent out under the authority that was granted to them. And so often in our lives, we are conditioned to live under whose authority? Our own. And so everything we do in our lives, we do under the authority that we have empowered ourselves. Does that make sense? And so as a Christian, let's just put this into into the scope of being a Christian. As a Christian, we take advantage of this. Well, I said the magic prayer. I went to church. I even started praying for someone at 1 o'clock. But how often have we stopped and positioned ourselves? That's what all authority is. It's positioning ourselves. It's our posture. You hear the language that I say all the time? It's having the posture to be led by God to do the things that God had asked us to do. But when we put ourselves in the position, that's when we see God do the miraculous. How cool is that about Mary Jane, about her friend, that she didn't like her praying? I had one time, one person who who was coming to the plant for a while. They're not here anymore. None of you know where they are. She specifically said, stop praying for me. Because every time you pray for me, something takes place. But too often we act in our own authority. Well, I'll tell God what I want because he says everything's mine. The kingdom is mine. I can have everything I want. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus was granted authority, but in that authority, he continued to live under the one who granted it to him. Does that make sense? But here's where we get stuck. We can get that because we know the illustration of parents and children and all those different things. God has given us the same authority that He gave to His Son. I just want to go through this real quick because I want to watch our time. We started late. Jesus has given His followers authority over the enemy. Mark chapter 6, He sends them out with power and authority. He says, anyone in John chapter 14, 12, anyone who believes in me will do more. John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, so I send you. But here's what we have to realize. Authority is not some special blessing. It's the possession of every believer. Colossians 1, 13, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his sons. Authority is based on position. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. That's Ephesians 2. So God can point us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us. As shown in us, all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus here's what we have to realize. This authority comes through our identity that is granted to us by the Holy Spirit. And the power which is manifested in our lives is only present through the Holy Spirit. And what we need to learn to do is begin to learn to line up our wills with God's wills. We have to line ourselves up with what God has called us to do. Not what He's called Sue to do. Not what He's called Catherine to do. Not what He's called so-and-so to do. And all the way down the line, we have to learn to line ourselves up with what God has in store for us. I watched the movie this weekend, Lincoln. Any of you seen it? Unbelievable. Matter of fact, the portrayal of Lincoln was probably one of the best portrayals ever of the president. And when you watch the the whole understanding of who Abraham Lincoln was, he was not a man who yelled and screamed. Matter of fact, he was very Jesus-like. He always told a story to the point that people just got ticked off at him, like "Not another story!" That's what the disciples saw that all the time. Here he goes, to hear about a fig tree. But there's a point in the movie where Lincoln says, "I am the president of the United States." And if Jesus is your savior, then you are a child of God and have been granted and empowered with the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And if you are a follower of Christ, you have the same authority and position to do the works of the disciples. The worst thing that Constantine ever did was to make the role of the vocational pastor. The worst thing that ever happened in all of church history was when Constantine empowered vocational ministry. Because the moment he did that, he took the power of God from the people to be looked at only found and clergy. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave tension for you. If you want to figure out more about this message, you need to read it. I do. I just want to be honest with you. I'm so sick of this fake faith, right? Word. I'm sick of this this fake faith. Anyone with me? Seriously. I'm sick of praying or hearing people pray that nothing's happened. I mean, there has to come a time when the church puts away its incompetence and begins to live as they were created to be. And this is all it means. That as a follower of Christ sits under the authority of Christ, they are empowered to do greater things than he. We're going to go to communion. And here's our prayer of communion Jesus, help my unbelief. Help me to live in the authority that you've possessed me with. And teach me to live as you had lived. Seeking the Father to lead me in the directions you have for me. You see, the things that Jesus wants to do in my life are different than the things that he wants to do in your life. But the only way that I can know what the Father wants to do is if I go to him every single day with the authority that he's granted me with to sit under his authority So that he can use me in the every day of life.